Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, where we discuss the people, technology, and finance behind the world's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and today I'm discussing a whole load of different topics with Light Reading's editor-in-chief, Ray LaMaitre. We're going to talk about how carriers are keeping their customers happy. Um, we'll weigh in on telcos as media companies and one of the new sort of... Uh, uh, I don't know, mild markers in that very long story. Um, and good heavens, we'll also talk about what if Huawei invents the next iPhone, or in this case, the next interesting smartphone that could be used on 5G networks. Um, you'll really want to pay attention to where that conversation is going, so don't go anywhere. Ray and I are up for some premium podcasting nonsense right here, right after this break. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, Mr. Ray LaMaitre. Hello. Hey. How are you these days? I'm, I'm <clears> good. <throat> uh, we're a month into 2019. People are panicking about heading to Barcelona, yes. where there's due to be a bunch of uh, local protests. But for people who have been to MWC in the past, that is nothing new. Yeah, it's going to be more of the same. And um, uh, I guess we should go ahead, since this is such a, you know, uh, a culturally plugged in and with it podcast. Let's go ahead and do a quick uh, recap of the Super Bowl highlights. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything. Uh, okay. Well, um, all right. Well, moving on. Uh, let's see. Uh, this week we're going to talk about T Mobile's Tacos, Verizon's Netflix fix, and what if Huawei invents the next iPhone? Jeez. All right, so <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek there, but maybe not. Um, first of all, let's talk about T-Mobile. Um, so they're giving away a free taco every week to all of their T-Mobile customers. Um, this was an announcement that they made with Taco Bell on February 3rd. Uh, it says, uh, yeah, free tacos every week, anytime. Um, I'm looking for the fine print. I don't see any. Um, the, well, the, the, isn't it that you have to get it from Taco Bell? You do have to get it from Taco Bell, and, and that's what led me to <clears throat> to pose the question, um, th does T-Mobile actually hate its customers? <laughs> uh, I'm very worried uh, about all of these uh, unsuspecting <laughs> mobile users trying to, uh, you know, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I know there are a lot of Taco Bell locations, so I, I, I respect that it'll be convenient for them. But good heavens, people, <laughs> what are you doing to yourselves? I mean, this is not, it's just not worth it. You're going to think it's a great idea, and then and then you're really not going to think it's a great is, idea. Is there a precedent here? I mean, has, uh, has AT&T uh, you know, given away a Dunkin' Donut before, or? That would be a great way to one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is the one-upmanship is, uh, you know, obviously this is clearly aimed at just being a quirky promotional thing. Um, T-Mobile, you know, you got to respect those guys for that. They are they are all about promoting the brand and being hard to predict and off-kilter and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always said their, their CEO, I would make fun of him for this. Uh, he does slow cooker recipes and videotapes them and puts them on, on the Internet, on YouTube. 
Um, the fact that I said videotapes makes me sound older <laughs> than him all of a sudden. <laughs> it's available on VHS, That's folks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on real to real. I'm recording this on real to real. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a <laughs> God. I'm old and stupid now. But um, the but the but he I makes these old. slow cooker recipes, and they're actually quite good. <laughs> And so as, as much as I want to rip them apart, I went and tried one of it. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> it's actually well, good. Are, are these tacos going to be purple in any way? Uh, yeah. They, they, they're going to get the magenta branding shell or get a, get a branded That's got to be the next move, surely. I mean, this oh. is this, they, they need to um, – otherwise this will kind of you know flop in a couple of weeks and people will forget about it. But um, – you know the the the, the color branded taco, or you know, it's, with with the extra chili sauce, whatever. I, the, the, there's got to be some angles to this. Yeah, they ought to just hand them a roll of toilet paper. That's <laughs> as subtle as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> taco Bell's just garbage food. It's terrible. Everything about it. Oh, sucks. I've never had it. I have to say so. Oh, count yourself lucky. Yeah. Seen it, not had it. Yeah. Well, anyway, it does. It does. You know, highlight the the idea that they are. Um, like I said, first of all, it leaves it leaves them uh, ready for some good one-upmanship. You know, that we. Uh, yeah, AT and T, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Verizon. You know, somebody buy me a Starbucks right now. I don't know something. Um, there's 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 going to be ways that that other carriers can can play ball here if they if they choose to. But, uh, the five G flatbread? Yeah, <laughs> that's not so bad, really. Um, you know, <laughs> exactly and, right. and, and and with all these delivery services like DoorDash and things like that, I wonder. Uh, right. I wonder why they haven't uh, uh, um, done some sort of creative promotion there. Well, I hope somebody tries one up and ship because I really want to see what that's going to be. <clears throat> I know and this. This can only escalate. I, th I think we need maybe we need an intrepid editor to go and find out what actually happens if you go in and say I'm a T-Mobile customer. I demand my free taco. Yeah, and I, I just to you know because I, I have to be journalistically responsible here. Um, the uh, so T-Mobile in their press materials say that you know they've been doing this since um, since 2016. They've done these uh, uh, T-Mobile Tuesdays where they've had all kinds of uh, things like Redbox movie rentals, uh, Live Nation concert tickets, Shell gasoline. Uh, you know, given given their customers all of these uh, discounts and and favored relationships with other vendors just for being T-Mobile customers. So they're really trying to, you know, create kind of the affinity brand and, and do all of that sort of thing. Right. I, I, I do think that that is a good angle on. You know, especially to a value conscious customer, it's like, look, if you're, you know, feeling like, wow, cell service is kind of expensive, but this is just what it costs these days. But then you get into this relationship where, you know, everywhere you turn and all the places you normally, you know, shop, you get discounts. Then maybe, maybe that's something. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be good for both brands. I mean, people are going to go and get a get a free taco, and they'll probably buy a drink at the same time. So there's some. Yeah. There's some cash flow there, and yeah, I mean it. Uh, I mean it's 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 a it's a classic, a classic move. Service provider, you know, gives away free stuff to reduce churn and and uh, and improve uh, customer relations. So. 
Exactly. And that pivots nicely into our next topic, uh, Verizon's Netflix fix. Um, I was I'm just not even going to try and say that. I was just about to complain about who writes these stupid headlines, and then <laughs> I, I realized I do. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I'll just... Uh, you know, slap myself on the hand, but the, um, uh, back in 2011, um, this is, this is kind of like this full spectrum of Verizon's relationship with Netflix. Back in 2011, Verizon put Netflix squarely in their site and said, we're going to create a streaming service. It's going to go head to head with these guys and we're going to take them out. Um, uh, then nothing happened. Then, uh, over time, Verizon integrated Netflix into its Fios, uh, set top platform so that people wouldn't have to actually leave their set top uh, you know, and switch to a different device to get Netflix. And now we've gone all the way around where Verizon now says it'll give subscribers of its uh, one gig internet service a free one year subscription to the Netflix premium service, which includes uh, 4K uh, video streaming. Right. Um, so, what do you make of that? And in, in, in this kind of deal where um, carriers are bundling content uh, with connectivity, um, is this a is this sort of a good direction for carriers to be going? Well, I I mean I think it is. I think it makes sense. Um, uh, something something sim uh, not not the same because uh, Verizon is obviously giving this away for free. But in the UK, uh, this was a number of years back when Netflix was starting to um, you know become uh, you know something that people wanted and were talking about. Uh, Virgin Media, the, the the big cable operator in the UK, yeah. uh, bundled uh, bundled Netflix into its uh, TiVo set top, and um, and Virgin Media users got it, got a discount. They didn't get it free, but they got it a little bit cheaper uh, for the monthly fee, and you could pay for it through your Virgin Media, Media bill. And for people like me, that was a bit of a, a no-brainer with a family, and they wanted Netflix, and it's right there on the tally as a channel. Yeah. Um, uh, and it just it just made made a lot of sense. So I think these kind of things are, are good moves, and I think also it does signal the fact that it's like, okay, let's do what we do best, and let the streaming video folks do what they do best. And that's the. That's really it. I guess that's where I'm wondering. You know, it's like, yeah. at what point will the phone companies stop trying to be media companies um, well, and, and everything they are not good at? Right. I think it's the latter point. I, th I think we're, we're we're reaching a point. Obviously, not not with everybody, because obviously there's some very large tier ones who are buying yeah. uh, media and content companies, as we know. Um, but you know, there's there is a need, and there's definitely a drive for. Uh, diversification uh, in these businesses and and you know media has obviously been the uh, adjacency that's made a lot of sense but now we're seeing operators you know orange is an ex uh, is an example uh, orange is now also a bank it has a banking license it provides banking services and it started in france and now it's spreading that to um to, to different territories and i think you know uh that, that that is a is a reasonable you know banking is going digital so this is a good adjacency this is some this is an area where it can it can start to do these kind of bundles as well and that makes sense obviously there's a lot of banks out in the world but a lot of the traditional banks are not great as, at digital banking and so yeah. orange can actually be a player here it already has the brand it's not a startup it has a trusted brand i think that's quite a good move and I think this is this is where the operators can actually 
go somewhere you know new not traditional uh, that that makes sense if you're doing it if you're going through the process of digital transformation what opportunity does that open up to you where you could actually be the company nipping in and and, and being the, the the digital challenger to legacy slow moving established companies and Orange has shown this in banking. Becoming another media company is not in the same bracket in which generally it's failed, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because media companies are, you know, they're highly creative. They take big risks. They spend lots of money. All the things yeah, that... Look at the the investments are enormous. Yeah, all, all the things that telcos don't like to do. Whereas yeah. on the banking side, that the digital banking especially... Where, you know what helps a digital, uh, you know, banking account better than reliable, always-on connectivity, and that's like a perfect feeder into that service. So, yeah, um, it's it's a much more yeah, it's a much more I guess safe place for them to be. It also um, is a business that's very like you know very much like the telco business, highly regulated, slow to innovate. Um, you know, just just a kind of a stodgy industry that needs that's in desperate need of disruption. That's banking. Yeah. Um, that's also telecoms. So, it's it sort of works that way. Having telcos just pivot to media because they're like, well, it rides over our our pipes, so therefore we must be good at it. it that's yeah, that's not really working out so well. Um, and and yeah. I do kind of cringe a little bit when I see um, you know AT and T and others. Now AT and T's now it's maybe the exception that proves the rule. It's a gigantic, you know, um, multinational amorphous company at this point. So it may it may be able to handle owning a media company just fine. But I I cringe every time I hear um, AT and T executives taking meetings or getting involved with the studio system because that's just not what content companies need. Is a guy from a heavily regulated, uh, you know connectivity oriented five nines business going over to tell a bunch of creatives what to do yeah they probably don't even like quinoa salad i know so i know i mean the, the diet's all wrong you know on, on the one side they're <laughs> they're just eating steak for they're lunch the every right day. Way. <laughs> how many other stereotypes can we throw in <laughs> get all the industries mad at us <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, the, the, anyway, we, we I definitely applaud the Verizon Netflix, uh, deal because I think this is, uh, and the orange, uh, banking thing, because I think this is where, um, this, this is that instance where they're driving demand for their most profitable products and they're doing it in yep. a way that consumers actually really want to participate. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a crowd pleaser. Of course, you know, the, you know, people will, the first question to ask, of course, is, well, how much is that gig service going to cost me? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's, uh, uh, let's take a quick break, and we will be back for our third topic right after this. Back. Uh, third topic for this week's podcast is uh, what if Huawei invents the next iPhone? So I'm being a bit playful here, but um, you know, Huawei's obviously uh, involved in all kinds of controversy at the moment. Um, the U.S. government is 
um, it has formally announced criminal charges in at least uh, uh, two separate instances, uh, one involving intellectual property theft and a conspiracy to cover it up, uh, the other involving violation of U.S. sanctions in Iran and a conspiracy to cover it up. Um, we're not going to dive down too much into that. There's plenty to read on lightreading.com and telecoms.com uh, for uh, coming up to speed on all those details. Um, the question that I have actually came up when I was um, watching, uh, Ray, your interview with Ovum senior analyst uh, Daniel Gleason talking about 5G devices. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that Huawei had spent a lot of time improving battery life uh, in its smartphones. And he mentioned, he singled them out as one of the companies that's um, put the most effort and made the most progress in this area. And yes. that made me wonder, as we're going toward, you know, as the U.S. government and China are, you know, are increasingly at odds and Huawei's kind of um, caught in the middle there, um, what are the are, are there maybe unintended consequences of that uh, uh, acrimonious uh, sort of uh, fighting? And, you know, what if Huawei actually invents a killer phone for 5G networks and then we suddenly can't buy it in North America? Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the uh, progress that Huawei has made um, in its uh, device division over the years, it's pretty much crunched a couple of decades into five years. Um, mm -hmm. And not only does it have uh, products that are uh, regarded as, as, as being, you know, uh, uh, challenges already to, to some of the other top brands, um, you know, they've spent a lot of time, for example, um, uh, on the camera capabilities uh, on the phones. And everybody, I think, has for a long time has noticed that the uh, the P series of smartphones from Huawei, uh, the, the the look and design and feel is not a million miles away uh, from from Apple's. And I'm sure they're getting probably close to <laughs> to to to, uh, to being a, yeah. a carbon copy there. But um, you know, Huawei a few years ago was 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 nowhere in smartphones, and in 2018. Uh, according to IDC, uh, their initial figures for last year, um, Huawei is uh, literally just behind Apple in terms of uh, global market share um, at nearly 15%. Uh, Apple at 14.9, Huawei at 14.7. Huawei has grown um, its business by a third. Apple's dipped by 3% in terms of uh, the, the, the market share. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's Huawei is, is going to be the number two smartphone company next year. That's only going to encourage it. It's not going to be in North America. It is selling these uh, devices, um, you know, in huge volumes around the world, and they are not going to stop putting R&D into this. And the key area, I think, you know, the, the Daniel from Ovum, who was a, a, a great interviewee, really knows this topic. Um, you know, he was saying that this is a, in, a lot of people talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning, how this can be applied in the communication sector. Um, and and a, a key focus area for Huawei uh, has been, um, you know, uh, getting the machine learning algorithms 
to uh, identify what applications can be, um, you know, either closed down or, or, or put to sleep mm-hmm. to reduce that, that battery usage so that when these next generation devices are coming out, they're not, you know, lasting 90 minutes and, and, and that went before the battery runs out. And there's a sense, I think I got, I got the sense from, from Daniel who, who follows this market that, you know, that's going to be a key differentiator and for, for all the work that Huawei has done there. Um, you know, they might be ahead of the game in terms of battery life, which, of course, is going to be incredibly important, along with lots of other factors. So I think um, that and they're, and they're also playing with some of these, um, you know, the foldable phones, so the new form factor. So they're putting a lot of work and, and they're and they've gained a lot of traction. They've got a lot of market share. So I think what you're suggesting, you know, is probably it could could well happen. Yeah. And then. Like you say, what what happens? The 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 North America doesn't get access to that. Um, you know, if the trade war goes badly, what kind of impact might this have? You know, look how China might be a market that's that's hitting Apple and squeezing some of those numbers at the moment. But what happened if you know uh, there was some kind of as a result of the the, the trade dispute and the tension that Apple's uh, um, you know opportunities in China. Um, you know, were, were decreased, and you know they they turned more to to Huawei or or one of the other companies. This yeah. is a very real prospect, I would say. I I, I an, an, an unintended consequence. Yeah, that's the thing is I, I've already personally had that sort of Huawei envy uh, on a phone, uh, one of the P series phones that they made with Leica. Um, Right. It was an incredible, uh, it was being hailed by everybody as like, hey, you know, throw away your compact. This is a, this is a street photographer's camera. This is an amazing camera. Wow. It did the thing where, um, you know, it took sort of a separate black and white and color image at the same time and overlay them <laughs> to get all the contrast and all those like wow. little details into such a small chip sort of form factor. A real step forward in, you know, miniature photography, I guess, or miniature device photography. Um, And so I've already been super curious to try one of those devices, but wasn't able to get a hold of it. Um, I'm just thinking ahead to in a couple of years, am I going to be interviewing a carrier executive and they're going to say, you know, our capacity, uh, you know, we would get a lot more usage on our network if we had better devices um, that could you know, take advantage of some of the core capabilities, but, uh, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like that's the, the kind of scenario where, um, where what happens when, uh, we've, we've left out that part of, uh, you know, what happens when Apple or somebody like that doesn't feel like they have to be competitive because we've chased the Chinese companies completely out of the market. Um, you know, cause they, they, you know, Apple already has sort of a, a good, a good lock on an integrated ecosystem, but they are right. clearly not the leader in uh, battery life performance. Uh, you know, especially on their uh, higher end smartphones. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I just think of it as like uh, this is this is yeah this is going to be a uh, I get you know the only answer is we can wait and see, but this is going to be a tough uh, tough pill to swallow if we're down the road a few years and people are just. The carriers are just dying for someone to figure out how to chew up more um, 5G capacity and put those uh, network characteristics to the test 
and we're right. all walking around with three-year-old iPhones going, yeah, we don't really care. We're, we're fine. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and certainly for it looks like for a 5G device, um, you know, uh, the if you uh, apparently uh, if you look back at Apple's track record in terms of when it releases um, uh, new smartphone devices uh, for the next generation of uh, cellular uh, broadband, it waits until there's, um, you know, um, uh, significant service uptake. So it's not launching into a market with, um, you know, with little demand. Yeah, um, they don't do confused the, markets. They do very clean yeah. demand. And the and the timing would have, would be for 5G under normal circumstances. The timing would be 2021 before an Apple uh, for an iPhone for 5G would be launched. Mm. Now Daniel Gleason uh, Ovum believes that there's actually a pretty good chance that they will break that pattern and bring that forward to uh, 2020. Um, but that still leaves uh, uh, that does leave an opportunity for the uh, Samsung in particular, um, you know, to attract some diehard um, iPhone users over to the Android side if they can get out some really fantastic 5G devices over the next 18 months. Um, but the problem is going to be how will anybody know what impact there will be. Let's take the battery life thing, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going to buy a 5G device. First off, the, the, the first thing they're going to, if they bought a 5G device, they're going to want to think they're using a 5G device. Now, if you're, if you're an AT&T customer, well, AT&T wants to tell you that you'll get, you're using a 5G service even when you're not. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty confusing to start. I, I, that, I think that's going to come back and, and bite them in the rear end. Um, but, you know, you're going to think if you're using a 4G service, it's not going to have that much of a suck on a, on a battery life. You're going to have to go and find that 5G service just to experience, well, you know, how, you know, what can I do? What impact does it have on the device? It might be late 2020, might be 2021 before anybody actually figures out what kind of impact, um, you know, uh, a um, uh, available regular 5G mobile 5G service is going to uh, have on on devices, and it might be that it might be that kind of time period before we realise. Well, are the other are the other is 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 Apple up to it? Is Samsung you know uh, has Samsung delivered? What has Huawei done by then? It could be that the others might catch up on the AI, uh, new battery technology might be coming down the pipe. But I think it's it's going to be a really interesting, um, you know, battle to see which for which factors, which which um, you know applications um, within the the 5G devices are going to be the ones that will make it the, the impact the purchasing uh, decisions. I can't imagine that Apple is not putting an awful lot of R&D into, into AI, not just AI for, for what we were talking about before, uh, yeah. AI in general, which obviously has already done a lot of work on. But that, that battery consumption is obviously a massive concern, um, especially you know, in the enterprise um, uh, user area as well. So, Yes, because enterprise is a great 
it's a great thing because that's also the growth area for Apple. You know, in a saturated smartphone market, you've got to convince companies that your devices are work ready. You know, and that's also a place where they could be taking uh, more market share out of uh, companies like uh, uh, Samsung and Hitachi and Toshiba and some of the ones that typically have been associated with like ruggedized, uh, uh, you know, work ready tablets, laptops, things like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's but, cool. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, the, we'll have to. I think the, the big challenge is going to be finding a 5G service. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, finding a real 5G service, and then finding out, you know, wh what the application is that's driving you to uh, uh, to make use of it. Yeah. While um, you're still connected to Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks so much for uh, for for taking time out of your your busy week, uh, your 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 run up to Mobile World Congress. Uh, I know you've got a lot of. Uh, uh, PR emails to answer and uh, <laughs> to not look at. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's the part where, uh, where where you uh, where you diligently say yes, of course. Uh, I'm getting back to everyone. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not into lying. No one's listening this far into the podcast. All right, um, uh, Ray. Thanks so much. I will uh, speak Thank to you. you soon. Yeah. Thanks so. That is it. That is all we got. That's our show, everybody. The podcast is mixed and edited by Tian Fu, senior producer on the Light Reading video team. You can reach us by emailing editors at lightreading.com or follow Light Reading on Twitter. We're at uh, light underscore reading on Twitter. Um, for articles and research that we've uh, talked about during the show, please visit lightreading.com and search podcast. That's where our show notes will be. Uh, thanks again to Ray LaMaitre for being on this episode. It's been a busy, busy week, and I'm so glad he uh, was able to make some time for us. And uh, you there with the headphones, thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. I do appreciate it. Uh, all right, that's it. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.